1: Welcome back everybody to Ideas Digest the podcast where we break down the ideas that divide us in order to try and connect with the humanity that we all share. My name's Conrad and if you're here to for a debate or if you're here to kind of hear your own opinion mimicked back to you in a pod, podcast platform yeah I, I think you're I think you've come to the wrong place but if you are here to practice growing your understanding and empathy then then welcome Then welcome. Because that's what we're gonna that's what I try and do. We'll we'll see how it goes. Uh welcome to the space beyond agree and disagree. And you know, if you change your mind on something, that's 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 okay. Uh three things if you want to turn this from passive listen to practice. Number one, listen to the episode that might trigger you the most, something you disagree with, listen to it, click it. Number two. Jump on Instagram, ask us a question. What what questions did I miss? I miss questions all the time. And three, respond. Give me a DM. Tell me what it made you think. Uh, new friend of the show today, chatting to a gentleman from America named Bart Campolo. Bart, thanks so much for joining us on Ideas Digest.
0: You're very welcome. I'm <laughs> glad to be with you, Conrad. Now, I've, I've never met you,
1: uh, but... But I have Googled you and that is enough for me to make some assumptions about you.
0: That's what, that's what, that's what the internet's for. It's to enable your assumptions.
1: That's right. That's right. So I'm going to do one step better. I'm, like we all have assumptions. I'm going to go one step further and I'm going to ask you if they're correct or not. So I'm going to give you the, a right of reply for this first little game. So I'll throw something at you, unfounded, Googled. And you get to say yes or no. of Tiny little boxes I've got here, and you're going to fit in in one of them. Okay, how okay, does that these sound?
0: Forced answer questions, right?
1: Forced answer. I'm going to shove you in, like no nuance, okay. just like pick the one that fits. Great. Okay, um, I should I should give it a, a a bit of a start for our listeners to go. Uh, the clickbait that you've already know and you've clicked on it is progressive Christians become atheists so have a think about that one put your trigger pants on if you're a, a progressive christian going oh come on i'd never be an atheist progressive
0: christians tend to
1: become tend atheists. to ah oh, see that's too soft
0: i want to i want to hit them hard with or uh, progressive christians always become atheists
1: now we're talking you got that's right go. that's what i'll change it to always become the absolute really gets people offside okay uh my assumption number one you know uh,
0: I th- are you in California right now, Bart? I am not. I oh. used to be in California. I spent three years in California as the humanist chaplain at the University of Southern California. Okay. Where are you now? Um, I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, that's the other side, isn't it? It's in. It's sort of in the middle. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's closer to the East Coast. Yeah. It's where my wife and I had lived here for, golly, like <clears throat> nine or ten years. Um, and it's where I went through my own deconversion from Christianity,
1: you know, becoming
0: a secular person. Well, I, um, oh. and then, and then, and then I went to LA, my kids were in LA. I went to LA and we lived there for three years. My wife hated Los Angeles. Uh, I mean, loved people, but hated Los Angeles. And so then we ended up moving back to Cincinnati. You have, uh, blown my
1: first Assumption out of the water. I did some googling. Saw that you were Huma's Chapman in California. I was like, all right, California. So I think we've answered this one. Uh, California. Oh
0: no, I'm an East Coast guy, dude. I grew up in Philadelphia on the East Coast, and I'm a, I'm so East Coast. That's why, that's why I didn't make it in LA. Because so
1: then to the assumption that I would have had written down here, I was going to accuse you of being some lefty liberal communist guy.
0: Nah, I mean at left. I mean, I mean. Let, let's see, lefty, I, my politics are left of center Okay, lefty, uh, yes, liberal liber, Liberal, it depends on like The definition What you mean You pick the definition and say yes or no <laughs> Right, and the older you get Like, that's the funny thing It's like, like everybody's a liberal when they're you know your age You know, the, old, oh, the older you Are you getting more conservative? Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely okay. I have more to conserve Oh, interesting um, And co- the communists, the hardball communists there the communist, again, like, who was it? I, I forget what I said, that, like, if you're not a communist in your 20s, there's something wrong with you, and if you're, you know, if you're not a Republican in your in your 70s, there's something wrong with you. I, I don't know what, uh, you know, but the point is, like, we all tend to drift right okay. as we get okay. older. Um, so that's a no. Many of us. That'd be yeah. a, a good no. Uh, so, no, on communists, <laughs> like, the, the problem with communists, you see, you're, again, you're young, so you don't, like... When you're my age – I'm an old man. I'm, like, 57 years old. When you're my age, communism was always – it had a very specific format. Like, it meant, like, Soviet or Chinese or Cuban communism. And no, of course, like, who could be for that? Like, it was, Well, the, I mean, that's the accusation backwards.
1: that – uh, when I observe the American media, it's quite fast and loose. The old communist thrown around. Bernie's a communist. They're all communists. You just throw it out there. So
0: I, I guess that's a no. Well, it, it, it is a no. And the funny thing is, is that in, in this country, in the Cold War, the phrase was not just communist. It was godless communist. And so the idea was that if you were secular, like cuz those regimes were officially secular and so the idea is like you see you let god go out of the equation and you, and and 5 minutes later you're at the gulag we've answered the uh the the godless part and the communist part okay
1: okay yes um
0: yes. A go- I, I, i'm a godless non-communist i a, a
1: godless non-communist
0: all right and 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 what's funny is like i am about communism the same way i am about uh what's the word uh, like faith and that is it, it, it's not. It's not that I'm against God. I just don't think He exists, and it's not that I'm against an egalitarian world in which everybody has the same starting point. I just don't think it exists or can exist.
1: Okay, that's a lot of nuance you've squeezed into there. You're climbing out of the box,
0: shove you back in. And since you like to piss, and since you like to piss people off, like you know, uh, you know, I, I know you don't like to piss people off, it's but a, you like yeah, people no. to hear. I. You like people to wrestle with ideas That's it. that are different than their own. And one of the ideas that I had to wrestle with for, for years, a person I had to wrestle with, was this guy Jordan Peterson. Oh.
1: Oh, now you've got – you've piqued some interest of right. some listeners. I mean, you wanted clickbait. <laughs> you wanted something it. to upset people. Bart
0: Campolo hates Jordan Peterson. Yeah, and the weird thing is is that like I love – Three quarters of what Jordan Peterson says and hate oh. one quarter of what he says. So, like, I don't know how to, and he seems like a sweet fellow. And so, Does like, he, I don't hate him. He looks but, a bit angry to me, but uh, I'm sure he's an nice awesome guy if you get to know him. Well, I mean, it turns out that what he is is a person who's got a lot, who's under a lot of pressure and has a lot of issues in his life. And he, I mean, he recently sort of broke down for a couple, for the last year or so. He's been off the scene. And uh, some mental health stuff, some physical health stuff his wife is very very sick his daughter was very sick yeah. um, he's had a really rough go so you know sometimes sometimes when you see somebody who looks like an attack dog it, it, they're really just trying to survive yeah that's the human that's the
1: human condition all right we've got we've got a bit off track, but that was a very interesting tangent <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm
0: sorry I'm, it's uh, okay. yes and no yes From and no on. yeah go yeah ahead. that's
1: right um you after some googling, are some rebellious pastor's kid like the stereotype that's you? no, no, not a rebellious pastor's kid, all right, you are a victim of creeping secularization
0: he's thinking
1: he's thinking
0: <laughs> victim is a strong word, creeping secularization is a real thing he's I have been pulled in I'm gonna give you a yes he's a yes, yes, I got him in there, okay. You
1: are an like if you if you're not a Christian, I think we've established. By the way,
0: is there a rock is there a rock band called The Victims? Because I'm telling you, that is the like. If if any of you are out there have a rock band, wouldn't that wouldn't that be a great name for a rock band? I I think it probably would. You better
1: go and get that domain name because it's gonna get snapped up quick. Okay, if if you're not a Christian, then the only alternative for you, Bart, is an angry like Dawkins grade atheist. You're just trying to convert people, deconvert them bullshit a hard no <laughs> a hard no okay but you were once a christian so some people may accuse you i saw some articles online maybe you were never really a christian you know you never really were one that's why you could leave
0: no that's not true okay he's nodding he uh, said yes but then he says
1: no <laughs> no it's not true okay.
0: I, I was true. a christian and i was a very sincere christian ah, good. Um, okay uh, but but i mean if you want to circle back on that one what i'll tell you is, okay. is that anybody who deconverts as they go as they move forward, as they as they as they live farther and farther into their secular stuff um a lot of them end up looking back and going like i know i i know i thought i believed mm-hmm. at the time but looking at it from this angle i wonder if i really did believe like so now interesting I, memory memory is an incredibly fungible thing mm-hmm. you, you know the way you remember things changes over time but
1: you when you um, were a christian in your head you were a christian I,
0: it's only in the- i i mean i had to be i had to be restrained from getting a tattoo across my chest that said property of jesus
1: oh really? hey i would i would like to say that if you if you had that um
0: yeah yeah actually if you saw me now you really wouldn't want to see that it's good it's it's good that it's, it's on so many levels. It's good that it's not there. But like, yeah, no, I was tot- I was totally in. I was totally down for the cause. You uh, were
1: then, this was, uh, I just had, I just edited up an episode, friend of the show, Adam, Southern Baptist uh, bloke. And he would maybe say, I don't know, put words in your mouth, someone like him might say, you were led by emotions. You you didn't like wrestle with the text properly. You didn't use your, your intellect, and you were led by your emotions, and you got led astray.
0: Yes, yes, and and I am a human being, and all human beings are led by their okay. emotions. You should have um, stuck with you, your if intellect. If you study any study any any Jonathan Haidt, you study any any sort of behavioral I e- have economics. Read you know Haidt. that, like, yes, that's yeah. Ra- rationality is a the, the, the idea that we are rational or that we are making re- reasoned decisions is an illusion. Oh. It's it's an it's it's absolute illusion. We use our reasons not to make decisions but to, but to make sense of decisions that we've already made in our gut in our emotion.
1: And yes, that's definitely a if you ever that's a Jonathan Haidt idea. I have read that one. It's a good book if anyone is looking to read. it. I think what's that called? What's that righteous mind? That's right. That's right. Well, I guess assumptions over. I got some yeses, I got some noes. It's nuance time. So here's an assumption. Here's an yeah, assumption. Yeah, yeah.
0: You, assume, you assumed that I could give yes and no answers to any question. And you forget that I spent 30 years as an evangelical preacher, uh, in which case you would know that like, I I can't clear my throat without going 15 minutes and giving a few illustrations.
1: You're primed to just when there's a mic in front, you just like rolling. Yeah. You did pretty well. Yeah, I don't ever. You, you did. Yeah, you did pretty well. So I, I tried. I guess. I tried well. Let's go into your zone then. Tell me a little bit about your name. Will sound familiar to people. Your name was like Bart Campolo. Was like, man, that that's a familiar name. Uh, tell people about like you, your line of work, roughly like your background, just like some kind of a bird's eye view. If if people maybe that name sounds familiar.
0: I mean, it sounds familiar for two two reasons. Number one is. I spent most of my career, most of my life as an, not only just as a, as a, as a, as a Christian, but as a a Christian missionary and a Christian preacher and a guy who traveled all over the world, giving talks, trying to recruit people, 30, 30 some years. Many years. Like I became a Christian when I was 15 years old, got converted into youth group when I was a teenager and stayed in it until like 10 years ago. Um, And And so during that time, you know, I built a whole career as a platform speaker and spoke at youth conferences, came to Australia, gave talks, was on the radio and, and did lots of Christian-y stuff. Um, trying to, mainly trying to recruit young people to live and work among the poor or trying to recruit rich people to sponsor children, um, for an organization called Compassion International Mm -hmm. um, that, that, you know, provided education and healthcare and, 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 uh and Jesus to young people. Um, so, I mean, I had like, so that's part of the reason I'm well-known probably the even bigger. The reason that I'm well-known is that while I had a fairly prominent career as a Christian evangelist, my father, Tony Campolo has had a huge career as a Christian evangelist. Um, he's a, he's a big deal all over the world (laughs) in the Christian world. And, um, and you know, did it for 50, 60, 70 years. And so, um, there's very few places that I go in the Christian world where people don't know my dad. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think maybe like the combination of your work
1: and your dad. I think, like, I I think I was watching, I was watching something, and I don't remember what it was, but I just remember like when I was doing some more research about it, I just remember being like oh, I have seen your dad in just random things that I was, that I've
0: been watching. I couldn't tell you what it was. I mean, you. Yeah. It, literally in this country, like you could see my dad, like when Bill Clinton was president and got in trouble, moral problems with m- moral Monica Lewinsky, yes. he called his minister friends to the White House to pray with him on a weekly basis and help him get back on the straight and narrow. My dad's one of those guys. That's, like my dad's, Yes, my dad was like, I mean, he still buddies with Bill Clinton. Um, but, but back then he didn't know Bill Clinton as well, but Bill Clinton was looking for um, spiritual guidance. And he turned to my dad because my dad seemed like the kind of Christian that Bill Clinton could relate to. Yeah. Um,
1: your dad was like, so, yeah, so the, the Carl Lentz of like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, but Carl Lentz passed it to Justin Bieber. Your dad was passed it to Bill Clinton.
0: Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I hadn't thought of it that way, <laughs> but, uh, he can, he, he can use that yes. anytime if he, if he wants it. Yeah. Yeah, so 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 in any case when a person of my who has a high enough profile like I did as a Christian when I leave the faith. I mean, and I like I didn't put out a book right away. I didn't I didn't make an announcement. I didn't give a talk on a platform where I stood up and said, "This is all nonsense." Like, no. I mean, I just I just stopped I just stopped accepting speaking engagements. Yeah. And went to do some other work and ended up out at USC as the humanist chaplain there. And what happened was somebody wrote an article about just like, cause it was weird that a, a big university like USC suddenly had a humanist chaplain. There aren't many of them on college campuses. Uh, yeah. And so somebody wrote an article about that. And, and then an evangelical Christian saw it and was like, wait a second, Bart Campolo, he guy. spoke at my youth camp, <laughs> you know? And so all of a sudden, and all of a sudden there were articles everywhere and I was kind of outed, publicly outed. And then it became a, and then it became a deal for my dad and it became a deal, you know, like, it was, you know, an embarrassment to him and the frustration to other people and people who I had led to Christ, you know, 30 years ago wrote back and said like, you've let me down oh, or no. why did you get me into this thing? I, I, you know, yeah. you know, so yeah, all of a sudden it was like for, for a minute there, I was on a lot of, uh, I was, I was in a lot of articles and and there were a lot of people talking about it is
1: a big thing when like celebrity christians i suppose for uh, no better way of doing it i just i just spoke with john steingard you know uh lead singer of hawk nelson the christian rock band uh and and as soon as you google him right now it's like articles why he left all these things like it's 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 like christian media in america like australians kind of have this like uh, don't care factor about a lot of things but americans really like especially with deconverting Christians. It's like that thing, there's a headline, there's tweets, Twitter storms. It's, it's quite amazing to watch actually.
0: It's interesting because I, I get put in touch with a lot of people who have just deconverted because what I'll tell you, Conrad is if you're deep into it and you come out of it, Christianity, evangelical Christianity isn't just a belief system. It's a community community. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a lifestyle and, and it, it, it is very, um, it's, it's all inclusive. There's no part of your life that isn't touched by it if you're really into it. And so when somebody leaves the faith, it can be hugely disorienting and, uh, a lot of deconverted Christians that, I I mean, I do a lot of coaching and counseling with people trying to help them rebuild their lives on the other side of losing faith, because some of them are like, they don't believe in God anymore, but they still believe that if you don't believe in God, you can't have a meaningful life. You, Uh You know, that, that all the, all the love and all the forgiveness and all the fellowship and all the mission and all the service that that's all, that's the domain of Christians. And so if you can't believe in God, you've just got to get out there and start consuming pornography and beating <laughs> people up. Right. And so, so I do a lot of that, but when a celebrity or, or, or when, when like a a, high, a pastor, a high profile Christian leaves, it's even more disorienting because they not only have lost that cultural identity, they they've lost their job. They, they a lot, a lot, and a lot of times people are pissed off and angry at them. And, and so what's interesting is like, I have a podcast and whenever a high profile Christian leaves, people are like, you should have that person on your podcast. And I always reach out to the person and I always say, I won't have you on my podcast, but I'd like to talk with you because I know what a terrible moment this is for them. But like to exploit them, like, like bringing them on my podcast only makes the problem worse like the like cuz you're asking them to talk about something that they haven't fully processed yet. So I mean Conrad, you suck for having that guy on your podcast. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm really questioning my decisions. I I better be more.
0: John, I'm John i am very sorry. <laughs> and 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 like I didn't I don't know that guy and he's not somebody who yeah. I'm I I've got I've got an in with yeah. to talk to. Like a lot of times when somebody like that leaves, they've left in every other way five years ago like they may have already worked out their new worldview they may have they, their relationships all, everyone may know it a, a lot of people have including their record company have a lot invested in them pretending to still be a christian so by the time they leave they may already have done the done the work whereas whereas for me you know like i was processing in real time and so you know when i when i first yeah, I, I had I I was very out there, and so when I left the faith, like I, I really needed to figure out a new worldview for myself, like because as long as I was believing in God, I was living that way, and then like when it finally dawned on me, like, hey, there's nothing left for you, like you're not, I, you know, because you go through stages, like you're a liberal Christian, you know, you're a heretical Christian, you're a universal.
1: Yeah, talk to me about your stages. Are they the stages you? went through that you're describing now as you kind of went from being a very prominent evangelical pastor to humanist chaplain what were the stages you went through and if you can if you can what was almost the first thread or the gateway drug idea that you accepted or rejected that then began to unravel the the whole thing leading to where you are now
0: you know, whenever anybody asks me, like, when did you begin to lose your faith? When did the first crack in the foundation appear? I would say, oh, five minutes after I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior when I was 15 years old. Like, it was hard for me to be a Christian. Um, I was attracted to Christianity by the community, by the sense of mission, by the loving, co- you know, I, you know, I got what, what the Christians sometimes call love bombed in, you know, I got brought along to a youth group. These were the nicest kids I had ever met they were all helping other uh, one another. They were going on missions trips. And like, here I am, like I'm a super nice kid. And like, I walk in, I'm like, Oh, this is like a club for nice people. Um, I want to join, you know? And so, um, for me, I wanted to be a part of that community and, and, and the, the business about believing in God and believing in heaven and hell and eternal life, supernatural Jesus flying off into heaven and rising from the dead before that, that, that's, that wasn't the attraction. That was the price of admission. Like, oh, you got to believe all that crazy stuff to get in. Okay. I think I can do it. Um, and so I struggled from the very get-go to believe in the magical stuff. Um, and then early on in my life, like, you know, I I go off I go. The first thing anybody asks me to do for Jesus is to work in the inner city. So I, I end up in this very, very poor neighborhood, like a ghetto that the likes of which you would not have in Australia. No, I've been to I Australia? Don't think so. It, you just don't have this kind of. No. And so you know, I get in there, and there are little kids who are living in cars, and you know, there there are women you know are strung out on crack cocaine back in the day, and like it was just a nightmarish kind of situation. And the theology that I showed up with told me that if those people didn't accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they were going to burn in hell for eternity. Mm. And these little kids that, Mm. you know, had never had a chance, people with fetal alcohol syndrome. And I was just like, yeah, you know what? I don't – I think if God is as loving as we say he is, I think – like these people already have already lived through hell. I think he will – I think he will – find a way so then you you sort of adjust your theology and i became kind of a universalist who like believed that a progressive God's love christian ultimately yeah would ultimately no not pro, i'm not progressive yet oh, but okay. i still believe okay. in a personal i still believe in a personal god like a, an actual god who does stuff
1: like a literal very like, involved in things like blessing cursing like doling out things like, like yeah that.
0: like you pray when when Janie's in the hospital because like that could make a difference right um so so you know i just i you know I, I just became the kind of Christian that believed that that real and personal God was nicer than I had thought. Yes. Was, was, yeah. with, that his grace extended. And of course, like you can find Bible verses to support anything. And so, you know, I just started underlining a different set of Bible verses mm-hmm. um, and ignoring a different set of Bible verses. Because you have to ignore some verses to believe in any kind of God um, or any, any specific kind of God. You know, like if you're going to believe in a God that's for slavery, you have to ignore some Bible verses. If you're going to believe in a God that's against slavery, you have to ignore some Bible verses. Um,
1: Or, so or reinterpret
0: I, so, as people would say. They'd go, oh, well,
1: you're not, in, you weren't interpreting them right. That would be the, you would know that. Bless Bless you. You're heart.
0: welcome. You're welcome. That's right. Bless you. I, they they so, wouldn't let so, me get away with not saying that. I better, I better say that. So, yeah. So my theology changed a little bit. Then yeah. I went to college and I had gay roommates. Yeah. And of course in the 1980s, late eight, you know, early eighties, you know, being gay, like evangelicals were not okay with that. And like, I was not okay with that because I was taught that that was, you know, non-biblical and, 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 uh, but you know, you love these guys and they were, they were wonderful people. And, and I, I came to understand they had been gay from the moment that they knew they were anything. And these one, these guys. And so, you know, you sort of go like, you know, maybe, um, Maybe homosexuality is like cancer, you know, in a sense of like, it's something that happens to people because we are fallen, but it is not a sin in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And God, and if God is loving,
1: then why would he,
0: we make accommodations forever. And so it's not, it's not the best thing you can, it's not the best, like, it's not, it's not, it's not as close to the original intention that God had when he created us in seven days. But, um but it's, 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 it's not the unforgivable sin either. So, you know, so then I became like, and, and my journey in, you know, in, 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 into acceptance of, of LGBTQ people, like that was the beginning of it. And, you know, you know, you know, 15 years later, I'm marrying gay couples and I'm, you know, counseling. And, and, and so, so, you know, so again, you change your theology a little bit. And then there came a point where, you know, you sort of you know, you work in the inner city for 30 years and you realize that, you know, none of your prayers actually get answered or, or they get answered at about the same ratio that they would get answered by random chance. And, um, and you start to go like, Oh, you know, maybe God is more like a concept, you know, maybe God's like the principle of loving kindness. And, and, the, and, now, and you're the now you're a progressive okay, now Christian. Now you're progressive Now you're okay. Good, gotcha. Got it. Yeah. Because you've, you've, you've just, you, you just, you no longer believe in a personal God, yeah. but you're, you're clinging to the language. Um, and that lasted for me for about like five minutes because it is not my nature. Like, if I mean universe, I'm going to call it the universe. Like I I, like progressive Christianity is something that people hold on to when they, when they gradually realize that, that nothing's happening and that there's nothing really going on out there. But they're just like, oh, but I love this church and these traditions and this music and these scriptures. They're beautiful. And they are beautiful many, in many ways. There's so, a lot of beauty and a lot, you know, the stained glass. And, and, and they're like, how do, I, how do I hold on to this stuff? You know, and of course, if you're, if you're a, a, a preacher or a pastor, you're like, how do I hold on to my job? And you're like, oh, I know. Like, I'll come up with a new way. Of, so when I say God, I really mean universe and when i say discipleship the words, i just really mean the like, religious light, language loving kindness
1: gets redefined as a progressive question exactly. it becomes like you could use the word universe and love and god interchangeably and you like the liturgy and the community and the beautiful ritual of it and you you kind of and and i guess you're saying that progressive christians hang on to that for some reason one thing one thing i
0: noticed which is why conrad which is why conrad ding 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 and you win the prize because at the beginning, you were like, progressive Christians always become atheists. And I'm like, they're kind of atheists by the time they become cr- progressive Christians in in terms of de- – Now de- de- they wouldn't tell you that, and they don't really believe that, and I shouldn't say that about them. Like, you get to, to call yourself whatever – you get to call yourself whatever I am. But they, like, they no longer believe in a God that an evangelical Christian would recognize.
1: Yeah, okay. And so in that sense, like, when you're using the term atheist there – it's almost as if you're you're being specific about the the atheist. God, you don't believe the, in. Yeah, this the
0: evangelical God. I am an atheist too. That's what the progressive yes. Christian would be. Yes, and and, and your you'll, progressive Christians will often one of their sort of things is like, tell me about the God that you believe in, and you and you, you'll just you, tell me about the God you don't believe in. You say, oh, he's a judgmental, he hates gay people and stuff like that, and they're like, yeah, I don't believe in that God either. You know, and they don't believe in that God. Um, they end up believing in God in, in a kind of a very general way, and 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 one of the reasons that I say that like nobody gets nobody gets converted when they're 15 years old into progressive Christianity. No, like nobody goes from being a secular humanist, and somebody comes and they, and they preach to them the progressive God, and they go like, "I'm giving my life
1: to <laughs> to the metaphorical language of like the love field universe or something."
0: It is completely a category meant for people that are refugees from harsher and 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 and, and more difficult forms of Christianity, but that have Christian families and Christian frameworks and Christian worldviews, and and, and it it and so you know ultimately, it, it it's not a growing it's not a growth movement like like people it's a, it's it's a refugee camp, and some people go there. Oh, and
1: progressive s- Christianity is a refugee camp. That's also a good clickbait. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you <laughs>
0: go. There you go. Yeah, it, and, and they're and and every progression gosh, every progressive Christian you meet, ask them like, what did you come from? What did you escape to get here? And they'll tell you. They're all from somewhere. They all left some kind of some harsh form of, form of Christianity behind. More super being punitive looking God, and they left that too. So yeah i suppose because because honestly honestly if you just from scratch you start out conrad and you go like you know what i've done the math and i think this life is the only one that we have and i'm trying to figure out how to make the most of it and you do your research and you go like you know people that form loving relationships and that do work that benefits the tribe and that cultivate practices of gratitude they tend to do better i want to i want to do those things and you go like hmm how can i do that Oh, I know. I'll become, uh, uh, you know, I, like I'll, I'll adopt Christian language. You're like, no, you would never do that. You would just be like, I'm going to pursue love because that is a sensible way of life. I'm going to look for other people that are pursuing love in that way. You, you end up being a, a, a secular humanist. You know, it's it's only people that are coming out of something more intense because
1: they've been that, handed that a on. language
0: that. For yeah. them, they understand in some way,
1: and I guess they're still using it on some level because it helps them either connect with their tribe or connect with uh, some form of art expressive right. art form or something. So this is this is an interesting um, thing to go. Wait, into. Wait, can,
0: I'm, I'm sorry, I, I I know you have a question, but like I just like <laughs> I'll go for there's it. something I think you'll. This is just for you because I think you'll like this. Okay, I think it was Rick. I think it was Ricky Gervais, and I think he was talking to Stephen Colbert. Ricky Gervais is a very famous, sort of famous, the Office, like mili- militantly, Yes, adious, big right? time militant. So, I, w- uh, I watched uh, his Netflix,
1: yeah. his Netflix series, and he always has that strand of like, if you're religious, you're an idiot. That's his kind of like <laughs> takeaway
0: point in his humor. Which which series did you, you know, did you see his most recent series? After Life? The one about after, uh, yeah, the most humanist. That's the most humanist television series you can De- imagine because yes. it's a guy who comes, he comes to groups with death, and initially he thinks. If we're all going to die, there is no meaning, and he ultimately comes to the conclusion that if we're all going to die, that is the beginning of meaning, and I need to make the most of my life, and the way to do that is by loving others, and that's people. a humanist perspective. Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um. So, but anyway, Gervais is talking to Colbert, and Colbert is sort of famously Catholic, and sort of says, you know, they're they're sort of having a friendly conversation about faith and stuff, and. He says, but what do you like about, you know, like, like what's the, what's the gist of it? And, and Ricky Gervais says, here's the thing about Christianity is, here's the thing about secular, you know, science. He says, if you took all the science knowledge and all the science books and everything sciencey in the entire universe, the entire, you know, and you burned it and you destroyed it and you wiped it away, said a thousand years later, all those same books would be rewritten. Like people would discover the same truths about the universe, like the physical, you know, the physical universe, like they would come to the same conclusions like, oh, this is how the brain works. Oh, that's how an eye works. Oh, you know, this is how, um, cells, you know, go from, from single celled organisms to complex sentient beings. Like they would figure it out all over again. Like it's literally written in reality. And he said, if you took Christianity or any of these Religions that people have invented and you wiped them off the planet, nobody would ever be able to invent them again. They would come up with something. They always come up with something, but they would never come up with that particular thing again, because it's not true in that same sense. It's, it's, it's not, it's not true in a way that like you could, anyone could find it. Like you have to, it's, it's, it's made up and once, and it's a work of imagination and no no two people would have the same imagination.
1: Yeah, this is this is a really interesting uh, thing to dive into. That I didn't I didn't think we'd we'd end up here. But for we have a lot of I would say progressive Christians uh, listeners the the refugees I suppose from one belief system moving into another. Uh, I'd love to get your take on how you view then prominent I suppose progressive Christians or or I guess figures that. Progressive Christians would read like Peter Rollins. I think you're familiar with him, if not friends with him. We had him on the show. Um, I don't know what
0: he would self identify as. Well, he would never self identify as secular humanist because then he would lose half of his audience and, and his income stream. Um, so you're saying he's no, in the Peter- same trap as you were? Yeah. Well, or, Rob, or Rob Bell. Yes. Like, yes. who's in, you know, like, and, and I'm, you know, like, yeah, you're right. These are all friends of mine. And they're wonderful people, and they, and and if, if, if caught in a dark alley, they would, they would respond much the same way I would, um, like the, the, you know, the, they're they but, but what happens is is that they, for a variety of reasons, my, my friend Brian McLaren, who's who, you know, he's very much in the Christian faith, and yet when we talk in person. I can't find any difference between him and me. By the way, he would be somebody you would love to talk to. Oh, yeah, um, I'm in. He's probably, he's probably the most wonderful and winsome Christian I've ever known. Richard Rohr, these people. Yes. You know, Richard Rohr's big book right now is like something Cosmic, cosmic Christ, Christ. And like, yeah. You know, you're like, yeah, dude, by the time you get, like, he's more cosmic than he is Christ. Um, like, it's just a principle of goodness. But like, again, they, they've got an investment in the language. And, and when I encounter them, I think their, what their, their work is really important because there are billions of Christians and that, remember that creeping secularity, like that's just scientific knowledge that's spreading out all over the world. Like it gets harder and harder to believe in a God who is benevolent and in charge as as the world progresses and as knowledge human knowledge progresses and so there's going to be a lot of christians for whom there are already a lot of christians for whom christianity isn't working as well anymore but just because christianity isn't working well for you doesn't mean that you have the the wherewithal to leave it and so what these what these folks do is they create pathways where people can live meaningful joyful, service-oriented lives within the Christian community, and they don't have to hate gay people, and they don't have to fear hell, and they don't have to think that they have to convert everybody else to Christianity or they're, or, or they're doomed for eternity. Like They're creating a form of Christianity that a, that a humane person can thrive in, and that's really valuable. And, you know, w- you know, when my secular friends like the Dawkins crowd are like, you should be trying to tear down Christianity. I'm like, no, you should be trying to tear down the bad forms of Christianity and you should be trying to encourage the good forms of Christianity. Because for a lot of people, believing in God is not not believing in God is not an option. They are going to believe in God. Like you could wipe God, you could wipe the idea of God off the planet today and tomorrow somebody would invent it all over again. It is the most natural. Why do you think that is? Because, because we're evolutionary hardwired to try to come up with explanations for things. And when we don't have an explanation, we come up with an explanation anyway. So what do you think then this like, because obviously, so it sounds like your perspective on
1: like progressive Christians, such as Richard Rohr, Rob Bell, Peter Rollins, all these people you're familiar with and know. I'm sure there's, there's one aspect where it goes, okay, there are incentive structures around their work that much like a pastor is being like their
0: audience is in here. And that's when I'm being snarky. When I'm being snarky, I act as though they're, they're in it for the money because they're all way more successful than me. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you should change your, uh, change your, your little belief structure and then you, then you could. Uh... I, yeah, I mean, I would have done better. But, you know, what's funny is those guys will look at me and they'll say, we think Bart's doing really important work. We love what Bart's doing. And you go like, well, no, what, what? And I always say, if you like what I'm doing so much, why don't you join me? And they go, they go like, no, no, because Bart knows that there are people for whom Christian language is so triggering and for, and for any gloss of supernatural weirdness is so off-putting. And he's trying to build a community for those people that's overtly loving, that's, that's got a, that's got a clear, code of behavior that, that, that actually has practices and rituals that help people amplify their gratitude and their loving kindness. Like he's building a church for people who absolutely want nothing to do with God. And they would go like, that's really important too, because if you're one of those people, a lot of times you feel like your only choices is that angry atheist negative crowd. And you don't want, and, and, and that that's not where you want to be. And so, um, so like I, I, you know, but there are a lot of people that are hardwired to believe in God and somebody better come up with a form of religion that enables those people to reach their fullest human potential.
1: Unpack that for me. When you say form of religion and and enabling people to, I guess, achieve their full human potential, what are you, what are you talking about there? Is it like, Is there something in Christianity or progressive Christianity or this religious language or this tradition of liturgy or or something that you are saying is valuable that you also want to see without a God construct? Is that what I'm hearing?
0: Sure. There's lots that's valuable. I mean, like, listen, I stayed a Christian for 30 years, even though the theology was incredibly hard for me. You go like, why did you try so hard to stay in? And I go because I loved it. Like, I loved getting together with people on a Sunday morning and talking about how we could become more loving and kind to others. Like, I loved going on missions trips where we had a sense of purpose and felt like we were making the world a better place. I loved having a code that when I went into a grocery store or or or, or, or to buy a car, I sort of said, like, okay, how do I think through this car decision? Do I just get the, 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 the most expensive car I can get or the most status? He's like, no, no, no. You need to think about, like, What are you going to use this car for? And how is it going to fit into an overall life where you're trying to make things better for other people? What's the most, like, don't get a cheap car that'll break down all the time. You take a lot of kids to the hospital, like don't get a a Ferrari. That's not a practical, that's too expensive. And there are starving children in the world. You, that money could be better used elsewhere. Like, So like, so I, you know, Christianity guided me, right? Um, and there's something really important. that We are a pack animal. We are social beings. We, we move in tribes. We need leadership. Um, th- th- there, were, there were rituals there that reminded me of my deepest values on a regular basis. And you know what? Like, you can have a value. That doesn't mean you can live it out. I value physical fitness. That doesn't mean I like work out all the time. Like, m- I know many people that value f- flossing their teeth, but they don't do it. Like, you you know, the question, the question is, yeah, how do you, how do you surround yourself with a, with, with a, 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 a network, a nexus of relationships that enables you to live out your values? And that's what Christianity for. I mean, really, it's lasted like thousands of years. Like, do you think it's because the theology is so compelling? Do you, I mean, it, theology doesn't make sense at all. Even the Bible says this is foolishness. If like, if you don't have faith, this stuff doesn't make any sense. Like, like it does Christianity hasn't thrived because it's theology is so sensible. It's thrived because it's practices of community building are so effective and, and they're effective because they, they meet people's human needs. And so secular people, you know, are, you throw that stuff away at your peril, you throw away singing together. You go like, Oh, you go like, well, the Christians sing together. So we won't, you go like, have you not studied armies or marching bands or you know, like, like sing together, tribal, tribal stuff, like singing together makes people feel connected to each other. It's very, very valuable. Like there's scientific reasons. There's parts of your brain that get activated when you move in synchronous motion with other people. Like you throw that stuff away. You're an idiot. Like I thought you, I thought you wanted to live a meaningful life. Use what you use the best of human technology, and and you know since I don't believe in God, all the cool stuff that the church came up with, I think that's human. I think people invented that right. stuff, and a lot of what they invented is really valuable. So tell me then, like narrow in
1: for me on the God language, or the or say for a progressive Christian, the metaphorical God language of of using, say Richard Raw, the the, the Christ, the Cosmic Christ. He talks about this idea of of this, this, well, it's it's hard to, like, uh, kind of summarize. Yeah, it's, it. hard, it's, hard, <laughs> it's, it's like hard to summarize something as ethereal human, as that. This human love that is, like, like, in the cells of creation from, like, the Big Bang that was manifest in Christ and all of these, like, these God language, these God metaphors that, just read the book, listen to Richard Roy, he'll summarize it better. But do you think there's any benefit, do you think there's any benefit to the God language metaphor? Or do you think it's it's quite easily interchanged in that? Like, what do you think people like Richard Rohr or Rob Bell get out of holding to the God metaphors that would label them a progressive Christian rather than a secular humor- humanist?
0: Well, I mean, I, I I don't know. I haven't read that book and I don't know... I don't know what Richard's talking about, as well as I would need to to really um, discuss it intelligently. But I'll I can discuss it unintelligently. <laughs> um, no judgment here. And, and and what I would say is is that spirituality, if you will, you know, people talk. Some people say, yeah. like, "Well, you don't believe in spirituality." Like, oh no, no, I believe in spirituality. If if you mean by spirituality that there are experiences in the human there there are human experiences that that do not submit to being quantified that they're ineffable like more than the sum of our parts type thing anybody who's ever gone to a, a, a good concert knows that like you get swept up in it and you feel like something's happening here and it wouldn't be happening if we were all at home listening to it on our earphones like there 's something about you know or or, or anybody who 's been a part of a bad mob like goes like, "Oh, something happens when we 're all together that is again greater than the sum of the, of the parts um, there there are certain forms of beauty there, there there's a there 's a human sense in which sometimes you 're making love with somebody, whether in the sexual way or like holding a baby and you 're creating love between you. And and you go, like, there's something happening here, and it's, 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 it's undeniable, but I couldn't quantify it, and I don't know that I could put a meter on it, mm-hmm. right? Now, Sam Harris will say, wait long enough, and you'll be able to put a meter on it. <laughs> yeah, um, um, but, 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 in, but at least in this moment, to me, I sort of go, like, yeah, that's, there's a spiritual quality to life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what you would call spirituality. And, and, and some of it is beautiful and and so you might say like is there a sacredness is there a sense in which that should be protected and that should be honored and that should be celebrated um and in my case i would say that should be actively created you know because like i think like if you light the candles and you play the right music and you have the right wine it, you know you're a married guy like it, you can create a tone that creates a much higher likelihood of romance, right? And so you go like, so yeah, okay, so that's because we're susceptible beings, and they are parts of our brains and smells and we're associated. And you're like, what do you do? Like, so you, so, I, so, so, so you, that means you can manip you can be manipulated into a, an emotion that you don't normally have. And I go like, I know, isn't that cool? Get me some candles. Let's do it. It doesn't diminish it
1: just because it can be explained neurologically or neurochemically. I
0: love, I love roller coasters. I know my emotions are being manipulated. They're creating a sense of danger where there really is none. I go like, I'll pay them $5 to get on. Like, like I want to know I'm being manipulated, but like the knowledge that I'm being manipulated doesn't in any way diminish the experience, right? Horror movies, you know, romance movies, like, like, like certain kinds of songs that'll make me cry. And you go like, yeah, there's a song that'll make you cry. So what do you do? I play it when I want to cry. Like, like i i love being human i love that stuff and so religion if you will is in one sense it's just people sort of saying hey around the ultimate questions of life where do we come from what happens when we die what makes something right or wrong what makes for a meaningful life like around those questions like what if th- there are some spiritual there are some spiritual experiences there's some spiritual qualities to those questions there's some there's some there's some value in getting together and working on those questions together. And, and, and so religion is when you organize your answers and you say like, hey, let's get a bunch of people who sort of answer those questions the same way. And so like if you believe that God created the world in seven days, like you, there's a bunch of people for you to hang out with. If you believe in the epic of science like I do, the question is, well, wouldn't it be good to get together and say, hey, that quality of love that I have for my child? Let's talk about it, where that comes from. For millions of years, like and like, it, like evolution has gone so many different directions and created so many different things. But like what's so weird is it created this thing that I love. And you go, like, yeah, but you only love it because you were evolved to love it. And I go like, I know. And I love that too. Um, you know, like there's a sense in which you wake up in a reality. Literally, you are born into a reality and you love it. You are born into a reality, and not only do you love it, but you are prone to love it. You were you 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 were you were shaped in your mother's womb in such a way that you would love it when you came out, and you go like, "This is worthy of celebration. This is worthy of reflection. This is," and you say, "But you know the thing I hate about losing religion is like." you know, we're all on our own here. I mean, I used to feel like I was part of something bigger than myself. You are part of something bigger than yourself. You're part of life. You're part of, you are part of the universe, but but you are a particular part of the universe that is sentient and aware and can understand and appreciate this. And you go like, that is, so, so for me, that is, is religion. That's my religion like celebrating, celebrating that stuff, loving that stuff, loving love and and trying to like, that's my religion. And you go like, so what do you think when you see Richard Rohr over there? And and he acts as though, like there was somebody behind it, like that the cells were wired in advance for that to happen. And I go like, okay, like, I don't think so. There's no evidence of that. But like, if that, if that, if you want to get together around that narrative and it makes you feel part of something bigger than yourself and it and it, and it motivates you to love other people and to, and to, and to, and to feel a sense of dignity about your own existence. I'm like, go, Richard, go make it happen. Bring them together. That's beautiful. Like I don't have an issue. Um, you say, but it, but, but you don't think what he's saying is technically true. And i like, if there's anything I've learned about science, it's that what I'm saying at my most scientific isn't like, it'll, It'll be pr- they'll come up with a better explanation for that in a hundred years. I'm hearing like an interesting um,
1: third way, or the another thing beyond the the dualistic way people paint the Christian non Christian divide. And when when people talk about, say, someone who's an atheist and how they see the world, and they might talk about, I think maybe. Religious people might think it like this: to hear if some, if you can explain, oh, but love is a is a chemical. People might say it, whether you're religious or not, they might say it as in a diminishing way. But oh, it's just a chemical; it's just in your brain, and and they're not just saying that as a as a fact of how the neurochemistry works. It's almost they're almost saying it in a fact of like, yeah, but it can't be as beautiful if we can explain it. But what I'm hearing from you is saying the explanation's there, but I still step fully and hear and experience and love the beauty. That mechanical explanation doesn't diminish the beauty of the human experience that I'm experiencing. And I love, I think it adds to it. Is that what I'm hearing?
0: Yeah. I mean, Ursula Goodenough wrote a book called The Sacred Depths of Nature, in which she simply described the process by which your eye came to work over millions of years of evolution or the process by which stars explode and gravity pulls them together and creates a planet in which life can emerge. And when you get done with that, you go like, first of all, there's still a lot of mystery in that explanation. Like we know how we, you know, Darwin was really helpful in helping us to understand how, how simple organisms would through, natural selection and mutation would arrive at more complicated but no organisms but but like where did that first single-celled one like how did how did life spring into being at the beginning I don't know you go like we're really good astrologer astro, astrono, astronomers and uh, I always get yeah astronomers and uh, astrophysicists are really good at telling you like what happened in the one one millionth of a second after the Big Bang they can take but you go like, but what caused it? And they go like, yeah, we 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 don't really know yet. There's still a lot, even in my explanation of the universe. There's still a ton of mystery. But yes, knowing how things work, I, like if I'm going to tell you an epic story of billions of years of, of of, of evolution and, and 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 astrophysics and stuff like that, and you go like, wow, I. I, I I mean, you've really lost something. I mean, it's not nearly as majestic as like a guy sitting down in seven days whipping it out. And I go like, you know, you may have a different understanding of majest- majesty than I do.
1: Hmm. So then, wh- what do you say if I level it? If I level it back to you, what would you say if you know Peter Rollins rolls up to you or Richard Raw and they say, "Listen, I know you're a secular humanist." Using all this like metaphorical, beautiful language, just stepping into the human experience, the Christ became fully human and you are living in your fully humanness like the Christ is there, mate. You're not a secular humanist. You, my friend, are a progressive Christian. What would you say to that?
0: Oh, you know, I mean I have Christians all the time that write me and say like, "Listen, we love your work and uh <laughs> we think you're doing god we think you're doing god's work anonymously." <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like you know, like that you you don't know it, but you are actually serving our god. Yeah. And and and, and it's a little bit like when a Christian writes to me and says, "I want, you know, I, I'm praying for you." Like my my dad recently had a stroke and he's in, he's he's been in in a long hard recovery and And I let some people know that and they wrote to, you know, his, his Christian people will reach out to me and say, Hey, listen, we, uh, we're praying for you. I hope that doesn't bother you, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And I always write back and say, bother me. Like, I know the language of Christianity. When you say you're praying for me to borrow from Louis Armstrong, who used to sing, like, you know, the people that say, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. And they go, like, when a Christian tells you they're praying for you, they're, they're saying, I love you. It's the nicest thing they could possibly say. Um, they're saying, I, I'm, I'm bringing you before my highest ideal and hoping that it shines brightly upon you. Um, yeah, thank you. And, so, and, and some Christian says to me, like, listen, in the end, when we all die, you're going to end up before the judgment seat and God's going to go like, Campolo, I'm going to give you a pass because like, although your theology was totally fucked up, you did, you did. It was you know, my work all along, teach- buddy. Yeah, it was my work all along. I did, you know, I'm like, all right, that's good. And, and that's the funny thing. It's like, you got like, you know, I sometimes Christians say like, what are you going to do if it turns out that you were wrong and there is an eternal utopia and we live forever without ever no conflict. I'm like I'll oh, great, you know, like you know, like like I didn't give up the idea of heaven because I thought it was awful. I mean, although it is actually kind of awful when you think about it. Um, to to, to you know, like like you have a finite mind, but you're going to have infinite number of experiences, which means like like it just doesn't like like heaven doesn't work. Like you you'll never see a literary portrayal of heaven in which it doesn't turn out to be a curse. Like it it just it's not like it it only sounds good if you don't think about it too hard. Um, but um. But yeah, like if, if they're, if they're when, when those guys say that I'm actually, you know, we're, we're, we're on the same team, I take it as a compliment because I know that they think that their team is the team of, of righteousness and the team of goodness and love. And if you think I'm on that team with you, you're saying very, you're saying something very, very um, kind to me and, and, and I receive it as such you obviously
1: are in a secular humanist framework and language and in this way of seeing the world what is it about secular humanism what does it give you that say progressive christianity doesn't why is it that you're here and not there
0: i mean it's i i think it's it's just temperamental like i i mean there's two things one is i'm Occam's razor, like, I just want the simplest explanation possible. Um, And so to me, if you mean universe or if you mean, you know, redemption, just say redemption and universe, you don't like, you don't need to muck it up with a bunch of iron age myths that um, are freighted with all kinds of negative uh, experiences for a lot of people. And, you know, it's it's, it's just like, it's simpler. Like science isn't... uh, so there's like too much baggage in the
1: religious language that they that Christianity has come from. Yeah, I mean too
0: much And there's too new much ways. For me. Not 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 too much for Pete Rollins, yeah. but like too much for me. Like uh and so yeah. and so I'm just you know, but the other thing is is that I see a world full of people for whom supernatural theology isn't it's not compelling it doesn't make any sense to them they don't buy it and they don't have many pastors and they don't have many churches and they don't have and pastors by pastors you mean what i mean i In mean this like context. or chaplains like 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 when i was at usc or here here at cincinnati like they're college students here right and the chaplain, the Baptist chaplain, or the Catholic chaplain, they're, like, having lunch with those kids and talking to them about their futures, and if they break up with their girlfriend, they're like, how you doing, buddy? And if a kid starts to get involved in drug abuse, he's like, hey, that might not be taking you where you want to go. Like, they do chaplain stuff. So the kid's mother dies. The, the, the guy goes and sits with them and, 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 and suffers through it with them and then goes to the funeral. And you go, like, well, what if a kid doesn't believe in God? I want to does his mother not die does he not break up with his girlfriend does, does does she not go through clinical depression somebody ought to be looking out for those people like like being a good pastor is really about being a good caregiver and so you know you go like does everybody have to do it? No, we we set aside in every society we set aside some people we go like this person's pretty good at getting we even care let's Let's put them in a hospital chaplaincy role. Let's put them in a prison chaplaincy role, military chaplaincy role. Let's put them in a pastor of a local church because life is hard. And so I was that guy as a Christian. I'm still that guy. You know, I mean, people, you know, I I do one-on-one coaching with people all over the world who are going through really tough stuff as a result of just how hard life is. And I, you know, that's pastoral caregiving, like it's trying to shepherd people in a direction. And you go, like, "Well, what direction?" You try to shepherd them towards meaning and love, and 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 service to others and gratitude. Because and you go, like, "Well, why are you why why you know, why are you convinced?" I'm convinced that those things lead to the most meaningful life. And I've got a lot of data that suggests that that's the case. People live longer and die happier when they pursue those those values. So, you know, you say like. So on the one hand, that language doesn't help me personally, but also I see a vast, as, as, as the Bible would put it, the fields are ripe for harvest, but few are, the harve- you know, few are the laborers. There aren't very many people trying to do secular spirituality, and there are a lot of people that need it. you go. like, come on, man. We mean, there's a lot of people that need it. I mean, we we live in the most modern and technological society. Like people, we've learned so much, and, and I'm like, yeah, and we got the internet and all these things. You can get anything. I go, like, yeah, you know, if, if all this stuff is working so so well, you like, you know, the the way I make it sound is like that modern life is so alienating. And they go, if, if modern life was as tough as you say it is, there would be people running around full of depression and anxiety, people killing themselves, people miserable, people feeling record levels of isolation and sadness. You could have a coronavirus and nobody would do anything to save anybody else because the bonds between people in a society were, were such. And I go, like, yeah, that's exactly what you got. Don't you see that there's a spiritual crisis? Don't you see that there are people that need to be? brought into i mean i'm not trying to convince people not to believe in god i'm trying to convince people who already don't believe in god to embrace life and you go like so so you say why not do it as a progressive christian i go because like, that would just gum up the works and it would alienate all the people i'm trying to reach and you say well what about pete Rollins? I go, like he's not trying to reach those people he's trying to reach these other people and you go like well which people are more important i go like they're all important he better go get those people. I better go get these people. Somebody else, some some Muslim guy in Afghanistan, he better go get those people. And you go like, all I really care about is at the end of the day, whatever tradition you get pulled into, whatever tradition works for you, is it making you more loving? Is it making you more kind? You say, but what about it? is it true? That's the most boring. Elaine Al- de Bouton, the, the, you know, who, who from England, who written some really good books, School of law. I love that guy. guy. And when, you know, his TED talk, he starts out, he says, the most boring question you can ask about any religion is whether or not it's true. The important Mm -hmm. question is how does it function in a person's life? And so I see a group of people that are like me. And you're like, it's funny that the people that you're trying to reach are people that are conspicuously like yourself. And I go like, that's not. That's not a coincidence at all, um, you know. Yeah, and so, yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to work out a way of life that works for me, and my friends. And one of the things, you know, I, you know, if you wanted to characterize my, my position on spirituality, I, I would hope it would come down to something like worldview humility, because I really believe that the way I see the world is true, but I'm smart enough to know that I don't believe it's true because it is incontrovertibly true i was raised and educated in such a way that i'm capable of seeing that it was true and if i was raised and educated somewhere else i would i would not think it was true i would think something else is true and so whatever you believe is true you should have enough humility to go it may be true but you don't believe it's true because it's true you believe it's true because your mother taught it to you you believe it's true because you went to this school you believe it's true because you were educated in such a way that you embrace the scientific method or whatever, but like, and you got certain genes and hormones, like don't kid yourself. Like you can't take credit for your way of thinking. You can't take credit for your way of thinking. And so you go like, and, and so you shouldn't blame other people for their way of thinking. You should try to help the people you can help. And you should try to, you should try to, you could try to nurture the people you can nurture. I'm, I'm hearing
1: the thing that seems to be that you put above these belief systems that we operate on is that same connection with humanity and care for humanity and helping humanity. And if that looks progressive Christian, Christian, non-Christian, whatever
0: it is, humanity. Yeah. Truth is, truth is a means to an end. Like, like truth is a tool, it, you know, but like truth is not my ultimate value. Loving kindness and loving kindness, meaning, you know, fulfillment, like whatever you want to call it, like happiness, flourishing, human flourishing. There there you go. Human flourishing. That's my ultimate value. And you go like, you go, like, do, do you think tr- science and truth is an incredible tool to that end? I do. I do not think it is the universal tool. And there are moments at which it is not the appropriate tool. When I'm sitting at, a, at, at, at an old man's bedside and he's believed in Jesus his whole life and he asks me to pray with him like you go like what is the best tool for helping that person die with dignity and the answer is it isn't science it's 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 knowing the lord's prayer and you go like wait you don't pray the lord's prayer with somebody in that situation i do it with gusto with gusto because my ultimate value stands a layer above what's true yeah wow okay well
1: on that that is some a lot for people to think and digest and sit with whether whether they agree or disagree i'm not sure that really matters May it
0: may matter to that. it may matter to them, it doesn't matter to me.
1: <laughs> that's right. It may matter to them. It doesn't matter to me. It definitely doesn't matter to Bart. Bart, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. i absolutely love this conversation. Hopefully some progressive Christians out there getting a bit like to be honest, the ending there, I, I I'm I'm almost hearing the progressive Christians now being like, Mate, that's the most Christian thing you've ever said. Preach bless, it. I don't bless know. Bless their who, hearts. Bless their hearts. Bless their hearts. <laughs> Bart, thank you so much. It's been you're an absolute absolutely pleasure. Welcome. So that's it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Idis Digest. If you like what you're hearing from Bart Campolo there, you can uh, you can check him out on his website, bartcampolo.org. I'll leave a link in the show notes. And I think you can catch him on Twitter, at Bart Campolo. If you have any questions that you think I missed that I should have asked, send them through to me on Instagram. You can always send me a DM. We love hearing from you. And until next time, I'll catch you in the next episode.